Attention passengers, today on Strangers on a Podcast, the strangers play connect the dots with movies and throw around some theories of their own. It contains a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a lot of the in-between. Join us, won't you? Hello, and welcome to the movie car here at Strangers on a Podcast. I'm the conductor, and with me is... I'm Grimweed. Hello, Grimweed. Hello. We're called Strangers on a Podcast because we're two guys who don't know each other, and we're talking about movies to see how they bring people together. Are we going to drive each other nuts? Are we going to curse and scream one another out? Are we going to stay on topic? Well, this time we might. No. Well, yeah, we might. Which is scary because I said that the first time we stay on topic is probably going to be the time we have heart attacks and... That'll be our last show. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Today we are talking about, well, we're talking about all the movies we've done so far. Yeah, because I got myself in a corner and now have to connect Strangers on a Train and everything in between that we've talked about to Blood Simple. It's going to be a chain of coincidences between these movies that link them all together in a manner that is coherent. Well, and Grimweed has racked his brain on this. They're we're coherent all going- in my reality. They might not be coherent in yours. Well, you, I, I will, oh, I will await for your explanation to explain their coherence. So, uh, our first movie was Strangers on a Train. I yes, it was think, by Alfred Hitchcock, nineteen fifty-one, I believe. I think the connection from Strangers on a Train to Blood Simple is obvious. The lighter. Uh, yes, the lighter being the key piece that could wrap up the entire story. So there's the obvious connection. Let's see. Okay, so we had we had May, You Are Not My Mother, Night of the Demons, and Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. Those were all killer Angelas with mental instability or being outsiders trying to fit in that kind of they they all had that same theme for with strangers on a train. And they were set around Halloween. Well, not all of many them. of them. Many Sleepaway yeah. Camp was not set around Halloween. Um, but it did have a, a dance. It might not necessarily had a dance scene, but it had a dance. Yes, it did. Um, Strangers on a Train, Bubba Hotep, and Fifth Element. I struggled to figure out an, a nice way to wrap those three up in that same way. But if you think about it, they are all very preposterous stories that if you could get somebody to believe you, it seems like there should be authorities that should be able to handle the situation far better. And yet it's proved in the movie they can't. Strangers so on a train, on if he would have went to the cops to begin with to get the cops to take care of it, you'd think they could do better. And yet the cop is the one that caused the dude to die at the end and the whole accident at the carousel. And the cops fucked it all up. The cops fucked it up, but it did end in guys being, uh, you know, oh, yeah. exonerated. Yeah. I mean, it, it did end with him in the right spot, but if he would have gone there to begin with, who knows what would have happened because it's kind of a far out story. It is indeed. Um, Bubba Hotep, he did try to tell them and nobody believed him. Fifth Element, he very easily could have stayed right there, let the cops take her from the beginning and figure, you know what? They brought her back for a specific person purpose let them handle it and yet if he would have let them handle everything we saw they couldn't handle it no so all three stories are preposterous tales that you should have told someone else because theoretically the higher authority should be able to handle it and yet we see that's not possible and bubba hotep the uh 
the caregivers at the nursing home would have been completely incapable of uh, dealing with the mummy threat. And in Fifth Element, the military, industrial military empire that was the Earth government probably couldn't comprehend the simplicity and poetry required to deal with the flying space ball coming right at them. Exactly. And the, the magical nature of the Fifth Element itself. So there's that kind of little bow on just that grouping. Okay, dokie. Um, and then we have Big Lebowski, Miller's Crossing, and Blood Simple. And those, it's, okay, it's Cohen's. Tie those three movies together in that little bow is easy enough for me. But now to tie each movie individually to get a bigger package, that's where it becomes tougher. So, I can see how the challenge is uh, okay. challenging. From Bobo Hotep, I can go from there to Blood Simple through Bruce Campbell. Ah, because in order to get this movie made, they, they made a fake, fake trailer, trailer and Bruce Campbell played the role that Nick Tortelli ended up playing in that show. Uh, <laughs> I told you for last time it was going to frustrate you. <laughs> Damn it, man. Why can't you just remember the actor's name? That's what you're here for. I'm here okay, to be the, the moron. You're here to be the one that knows the shit. Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya. He's a great, fine character. Yeah, he's a great actor, but I initially saw him in Cheers as Nick Tortelli, and that's what he'll always be to me. Fair enough. So in order to get from Fifth Element to Blood Simple, uh, M. Emmett Walsh or Michael Emmett Walsh, he was in a little show called The Wild Thornberries on Nickelodeon. Really? Yes, he was. What on earth was Michael M. Emmett doing on a Nickelodeon He was a show? voice on a cartoon for Nickelodeon. I don't know what it was. I didn't watch The Wild Thornberries. When did the show come out? Uh, before he died. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is still alive. Okay. Before now then. 90s, 80s? I don't know. When were The Wild Thornberries on? I don't know. I didn't watch. I'm going a, to look it up. Um, yeah, I only do so much research. Do, 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 do. It's Thor Thornberries. Yes, Wild Thornberries. You said Thornberries. Wild Thornberries. It's from 1998 to 2004. Okay, well, he was on the Wild Thornberries on Nickelodeon. And is it Brian or Brian? I do not know. I, I would like to know. So um, I, 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 it's spelled funny, so I always say Brian. Yeah, and it could be Brian. I don't know. But Brian or Brian James. And this oh, is, this is one of those loose Curry, connections. Right? I want to watch Wild Thornberries now. It's got an amazing cast. It had Daniel Harris, Flea, and Tim Curry. Uh -huh. There was a lot of people that were in there. I just never watched it. But anyway, so either Michael Jeter, either Brian or Brian, which I know he's dead, sadly. Um, whichever one it is, he was, and this is one of the looser connections. He was in a movie called Nickelodeon. Oh, with John Ritter. Oh, Brian James, did, Brian James did die a long time ago in 1999. Yes. Not long after Big, not, not long after Fifth Element came out. Um, see, I could have sworn Emmett Walsh was too, but anyway. So yeah, that was one of the looser connections on how to get from Fifth Element to there. I could do, you're out of your element, Donnie. Uh -huh. And connect Fifth Element through Steve Buscemi to Bruce Willis. And they were together in Pulp Fiction. And we had Bashimi and Miller's Crossing, and we had him and Big Lebowski. It's, oh, well, yes, so he played Donnie. He, he, had, he is our connection to Bruce Willis, because they were together in Pulp Fiction. See there, Kevin Bacon was not in any of these movies, so uh, we, have to, we have to use other means to come up with uh, these little ways they connect. Oh, I can go even further. I can connect 
uh, Fifth Element to Miller's Crossing in another way. He was in Ocean's 12 with Albert Finney. Albert Finney was in Ocean's 12? Yep. I don't remember that. So. I didn't like Ocean's 12. Is that the one where Julia Roberts played herself? I don't know. I, was. I, I wasn't a fan of the first one, so I didn't bother with the rest of them. I know, so I've connected Strangers on a Train. I've connected Blood Simple. I've connected Fifth Element, I think. Now we're on to May. So Which we which we was our first movie of, of the month of May. Yes. Um, so how does that connect to things? Well, I, I connect I can connect May to You're Not My Mother, um, other than the Killer Angelas and that stuff, by there is one character teaching our main character how to smoke. Yes. Suzanne teaches uh Char smoke, I think. Yes. Um so there's my connection from May to something else. Some of these are a little loose, and I couldn't couldn't quite figure out how to go all the way through. But you must. You but have I'm, to I'm, give us. But, you have to you know, give us something where you can go connect start May, here and go through there. If I can connect May to "You're Not My Mother" and connect "You're Not My Mother" to one of the other movies, and that movie connects to Blood Simple, I'm still making my connections. Look, the 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 Killer Angela movies all featured Killer Angela, except and the last one had Ralph tangentially. Yes, and that Which was how I went the, from the last one to the next one. The Big Lebowski. Yes. So um, this is all perfectly coherent. And then Sleepaway Camp, we have <laughs> one of your favorite issues that I brought up is the cross-dressing character in Miller's Crossing. That was, that was, not, a, that was not a cross-dressing character. That was just Albert Finney having fun. It was Albert Finney in a dress, yes, which is a cross-dressed fun. character. He was playing a woman. Yeah. He wasn't playing a cross-dressing male. He was playing a woman. It was a male cross-dressed to play a different character. He was a, he was cross-dressed. So was that a is cross a cross-dressing actor. Character. Yeah, and it was a cross-dressing actor, not a cross-dressing character. He was playing a woman. Either way, okay. like it or not, there was a man in drag. I you can't argue that. Fine. I, I believe I've, I've seen back I've seen uh, pictures of Albert Finney behind the scenes getting his nails polished, where he looked like he was having a grand old time. Oh yeah, and they had. Pretty much finished everything else. He was having so much fun. He didn't want to leave. So he, he did that leave. just so he'd he was, have an excuse to stay on set. He was just going out in New Orleans every night and having fun and having a blast at the restaurants. He um, loved the food. That's something that people have said. I Even a Simpsons episodes did an episode about how the food is great in New Orleans. And then it becomes, okay, so if you want to argue the cross-dressed character on that one, do you argue the cross-dressed character in Sleepaway Camp? Because the entire time, Angela's played by a female... So she's not cross-dressing, but the character Played by Felicia is. Rose at the age of 13. Yeah. Who is now a mangled cock expert on The Last Drive In. Um, mangled dick expert, I'm sorry. But I, well, is that even really cross-dressing? Because it's pants and a shirt all the time. Uh, I guess well, it depends was, on who you ask. She was dressed in camp uniform, uh, but she presented as a girl in the film. Yeah. Because the character... Well, if you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, you should check it out. Or, you know, listen to our Sleepaway Camp episode. Did we spoil everything in Sleepaway Camp? I don't think we did. We had a spoiler alert so they could stop and then come back after they watched it. Oh, well, that was smart of us. Yeah. We really, uh, I'm glad we, we were really that. on the ball that week. <laughs> you know, one of these weeks we had to have something right. Yeah. Toot my horn or toot our horn to the, to the skies over that one. We, oh, yeah. Cause we, remember you wanted to tell them to pause it and come back in 39 seconds. Um, and I decided just pause it and come back after you watched it. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a fun little thing I did. I, I recall that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So there's one little link to Miller's Crossing there. Or I can connect it instead, if you would prefer, to Big Lebowski and bring in the pedophile character. Jesus. 
Pen, uh, what was his last name? There's Artie or Jesus Quintana. Jesus Quintana. Nobody who, fucks with the Jesus. Who's Artie? Sleepaway Camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Artie. Yeah. The pedophile characters in Sleepaway Camp to a pedophile character in Big Lebowski. All right. So the first three movies, we have the preposterous stuff that authority can't handle. Yes. Then we go into the Killer Angelus. Yes. Then we go into the Coens. Yes. And we've Fire connected. Ralphs. Yes. We've connected those two Ralphs. Um, and the pedo character from Sleepaway Camp. There you go. Um, Miller's it Crossing. It all makes perfect sense. Um, there's a Miller's Crossing. It also has Bruce Campbell connection. Bruce Campbell was that Miller's Crossing? Um, no. Sam Raimi the, was. Yeah. Sam Raimi played Snickering Gunman. Which brings our Bruce Campbell connection. You know, Bruce Campbell was in Fargo, I think. Uh, he was. It was a Canadian soap, I believe, it was, that they were watching. It was a clip from a, a soap opera. Featuring Bruce Campbell. Yes. But we didn't watch Psycho. Or Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. Have not we didn't watch so, Psycho either, but we didn't watch Fargo. Um, Psycho, Fargo, Fargo, yeah, Psycho. So Bruce Campbell with Raimi and Raimi being in there. There's another Bruce Campbell link, but I can't remember it. I just have written down Bruce Campbell. Well, that's all you need right there. Um, and then I've, I've walked into a bank. In, I've walked into a bank many times and just wrote fit Bruce Campbell on a, on a piece of paper and just slammed it down and said, there. And they said, oh, that'll be $30 for you. And I said, thank you. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, Cause that's all you need. If you say so. But yeah. So to connect the last three, other than dip being Cohen's that I could go on for hours, different ways you can connect Lebowski and Bill Miller's crossing and blood simple. They Cohen's self reference all the time. And I think that is, that's one of the things that I think I misspoke before when talking about big Lebowski, when I kept saying that everything has a meaning. I didn't necessarily okay. mean like a meaning, like a deep meaning. Everything has a meaning as far as like this sign being here is referencing this person's characteristic in, in this kind of way. It's, it's referencing something is what I should have said. Okay. It's either referencing something outside of the movie, like something going on politically or socially or whatever. It's referencing another movie. It's referencing something within the movie. There's everything's referencing something else. It's a, pregnant uh, cascade of symbolism and uh and references and foreshadowing going on in uh in a cohen's film yeah i guess all you of say self-referential self-quote self-quotational instances pretty much um but yeah so that's kind of my connections i think i connected all the movies together didn't i did i miss it well anything? not not from one to the ten i mean but i i think i can reiterate if they're if they're all connected like I said, They're, if I can connect one movie to another one and then that movie to our last one, I'm connecting the first one. I might not be doing a direct connection, but it's still connected. But we're bookended, we're bookended by a lighter being a, a, a key point in, uh, in yes. the films. And if you really want to look at it, we started out with a lighter. Indeed. And we went through our stories and the stories got a little bit more bonkers. Oh, uh, a lighter would have been helpful in Fifth Element. Yes, it would have. Unfortunately, they only had matches. One match. One match. Which they set up very well. I think the way they did that to explain why there's only one match was well done. And there was a, some there was some issue with a, a match being struck in Night of the Demons. Yes, there was. And a or lighter Angela. that was ha they had a hard time working. No, but we, we both but, commented on Angela having to walk across a room with a lit match. Yep. And to light candles. Yep. And it was like a long chimney, like a fireplace match. Like I still think it was just match. a regular match. It might have been, but, uh, but either I, way, I, to I walk that far with a match, 
I remember commenting, I think it was edited out, that uh, Angela could probably walk with a book on her head while doing that. And Angela probably went to finishing school. And for her, walking across a, a, a room with a lit match without the without the flame going out is just second nature to her because she is she is so polished and high class. Yeah, which is one of the things that I, I've been wondering about because you kind of made up this backstory for her. And like you said, some of it got edited out. But again, I will be doing longer edits that I will be making available so you can hear some of these preposterous stories that the two of us make up. But you've come up with this backstory for Angela. I don't remember as much of it now. Um, about her basically being a rich bitch. You said that you didn't call her a bitch. And I said, well, no, I, you said rich. I said, oh, so she was a rich bitch. Um, but you had her being from this well-off family and she went to finishing school and she had all these great fancy clothes and all this other shit. Um, there is no evidence whatsoever in that movie about her possibly possibly coming from a rich family. And then in be... Miller's Crossing, you came up with this wild backstory for Tom. There is no evidence whatsoever about any of his backstory. Iceberg theory. And you were insistent on there's got to be something. But I yet when I threw be out my theory for Tom that I could back up with evidence in the movie, you're like, nope, nope. I don't believe it. Nope. Nope. So I gotta, I gotta be okay with this wild backstory that has no evidence, but mine that I can back up. What was your backstory for Tom that you came up with? Tom was trying, the reason Tom was with Verna was he was trying to split them up because Tom had a thing for Leo. Oh, for crying out loud. That's a backstory. That wasn't the backstory. That was just a theory about motivation. I don't think. And you were dead set against it. And your argument was no, because there's no sexual tension, but there doesn't need to be sexual tension. And it doesn't have to be like Leo has the same feelings. Leo could not be interested whatsoever. That doesn't mean that Tom wouldn't still have his motivation. It doesn't, but I really don't think you're, I, I don't see you're basing it on anything within the text of the movie, besides the fact that there are accepted homosexual characters in the film. And he goes out of his way to do everything he can to make sure Leo is safe and has what he needs, make sure he's protected. Yeah, but that's- He's that, always that's looking all, out for Leo. That's just being a good consigliere. Yeah, and I, like I said, I'm not saying he, he was, I'm not saying that was the reason. I'm just saying that putting it in the context, and putting it in the context of that movie, you can't 100% rule it out. Well, you can't 100% rule out that the earth revolves around this, that the sun revolves around the earth because we've never sent a probe all the way. Okay, before he goes any further with this, if anybody happens to be listening that has ever paid any attention to science, you, you'll know he's pulling this argument out of his ass. No, the, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I am and I'm not because this is a thing. Uh, the fact that that the earth revolves around the sun is technically still just a theory. We've never sent a probe far enough away from our solar system that it could take a picture of the earth moving around the sun. Therefore, unfortunately, even though we know it to be a fact that the earth is an orb moving around the sun based on myriad tons of evidence, and we know it from the behavior of shadows, we know it from the, the timing of the seasons, and we know we know the earth revolves around the sun, it is still, according to our science, it is still a theory. Well, yeah, but so is but gravity. It, so, yeah, exactly. But well, the like, difference we can't in, photograph gravity. The, the difference there's a difference, in, though, because in scientific 
terms. Theory does not mean the same thing as it does in normal everyday language. Theory like what and you're science saying is, is saying, okay, this is a fact that we know. Yes, but I'm saying in theory that you have this theory that Tom Reagan has a has a romantic obsession with Leo. I'm just saying it is a possible I, I'm not theory. Seeing, I'm saying that it is I, when I, when we recorded, I even said that is a theory that I have found. It wasn't a theory I made up. It is a theory I have found that people have said, you know. What about this? Well, all right. Fair enough. Others have agreed with this. I, I just, I don't see it as particularly viable. Oh, myself. I don't think I, that's necessarily true. I'm just saying, you know, pointing that out in that, in the context of the movie with certain things, it's like, you know, okay. I can't say it's not possible. I can't either, but I, but there's like other I things said, where it's like, okay, there's no evidence to point towards that at all. Where is that coming from? Well, I, I, I was thinking of the time period and how, uh, the character of Tom Reagan is a native Irishman who probably immigrated to the U.S. And what he would have experienced over in his native Ireland would have been the rise of the Troubles and the start of the Troubles with the IRA uprising based on his age. That was my, and I had this, uh, my theory was that he might have been a man of some importance in, in like the, in the Irish Republican army or yeah. something. Or he could have come over as a kid or teenager or whatever. Yeah. There's but a lot they, of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities, but I, I just think that Tom Reagan was a haunted man who, who seemed haunted by his own limitations and his own uh, ambitions and such. Yeah. And, and like I said before, it could just be that he screwed up and shot somebody that was not involved and like, okay, well, that was an innocent person and it haunted him. It could be that he had family that was killed. It, there's a lot of different things that it's a possibility. But there's no evidence of any of it anywhere other than he seems to be kind of a loner. My and evidence it could be, is you know that what? it could be he wasn't quite he he wasn't he was still kind of in the closet to himself. And that could be why he found Bernie so amusing, because Bernie was more open. So the part Bernie of that like him being hating himself and being haunted, it could be because he's still hiding who he is. Or it could be that and and this this is gonna be my one piece of evidence that I have for him being some some sort of bigwig over in Ireland. When he is taken out to Miller's Crossing and he's walking in the woods, he looks up with a kind of longing into the trees as some sort of like pastoral ideal that that it was taken from him, perhaps Ireland. And whenever he looks up into the trees, the music swells into this beautiful thing. Well, yeah, but it's also when he's it, being marched that, to his death in his mind he's, or That's he's marching someone else to their death but nonetheless he is overwhelmed i get the feeling that he is somewhat overwhelmed by the by the greenery of nature in that moment that would to me imply he has some sort of longing for a lost home or it could be he doesn't want to be in that situation and he has had this dream of him being in the woods and his hat blowing away and it's like okay this is this could be like a, the dream come true type thing the dream means nothing i'm just countering your argument him looking up to the sky could mean nothing other than hey it's a beautiful day if you're just playing devil's advocate we'll never to come to get an killed or kill somebody i have a darth vader figure right here that, that might like to have words with you yeah In well fact, you i have know, many darth vader action figures it ain't gonna happen well fine i i got a I, jason you, that's gonna come after you i got fezzik over here to protect me and i got shorty from killer clowns back here to bada boom your head off if you really want to get in trouble yeah, I'm I'm backing off. <laughs> Don't want to mess with Shorty. I had Darth Vader. He, he's unsolvable except by a trained Jedi. What do you think the killer clowns are going to do to a Jedi? Uh, that would be interesting.
Um, we want that. We we want that uh, matchup. Somebody, please. Yeah, the killer clowns from a galaxy far, far away. Anyway. Um, All right. Well, fine. Yeah. Then. So Let's, that's why like we said, now that now that we're done with Blood Simple and we're not so scared of spoiling it. So maybe people have gone out and watched a little bit since then. I I would also say that Ray, the character you called uh, uh, not John Ritter obsessively. Oh yeah. Know. And by the way, another tie that was unfortunately spoiled for me already was the big Lebowski to blood simple and the blue Volkswagen driven by the PI that's following our main character. Indeed. It was a uh, Defino in the, in big Lebowski and it was a uh, cowboy Volkswagen guy. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we never got to why I would, I also call him monster. Why is he called a monster? So when they were sending off the, the dailies to wherever it was that they, they process the dailies, they call him up and be like, okay, so how's everything look? Well, the dailies had no audio. So they were just processing the film and it's like, okay, well, this is how it looks. And they got into this kind of shorthand conversation where they could just say something about what was going on and they know, okay, well, this is where they are. This is what, how it looks. And at one point they said something about the monster just picked up the walrus or the monster broke the walrus referring to Emmett Walsh with the walrus piggy bank. So but since the they had no audio, they this. had to go through this movie, just piecing together in their mind, what these images mean. And he was the monster. Well, uh, and Emma Walsh did turn in a somewhat monstrous performance, so it, it's a fitting estimation. Yeah, and they, they said that he tended to draw flies. They just said, yeah, he tended to draw flies. And some of the shots, the real tension in the shot is waiting to see how long the fly takes before it actually flies away from his face. There's hmm. there's a few scenes when like when they're in, in his car talking about, okay, this is what I want you to do. There's a bug crawling on, around on his head. When they're in the bar, flies all around his face. They're, yeah, he's always got bugs around him. Or not always, but it uh, quite often he's got bugs around him. He's the Lord of the Flies, the devil incarnate. Um, so yeah, he drew a lot of flies. And I, I also think Ray in Blood Temple was a, a very tragic character who meant well and was a uh, who was trying to do his best for this woman he loved. And uh, unfortunately he was a tragic victim of circumstance that suddenly Never... decided a windbreaker is going to be absorbent enough to sop up a puddle of blood. Yeah, that was, that was one of the, <laughs> I mean, I get it. Moments. You're in panic mode and you just grab something, but a windbreaker is not going to do it. And then he looked and, and then he's, I think he was actually traumatized because later in the movie, he's asking, where's my windbreaker? Like yeah. I don't think he remembered that he had wrapped it up in the towel and then threw the towel in the incinerator. I think that the sequence of that night was just kind of was a bit much. And I, but I loved when he was getting out of the car to puke and the, and the Spanish music is playing out of the car. I was just like, yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out, was he getting out to puke? Did he hear a noise and it freaked him out and he was just trying to run? Like what the fuck's going on? I didn't really know because he just got out and ran. I think he was having a panic attack. I think you, um, if you like Blood Simple, you really need to watch No Country for Old Men. I, I'm working my way through the Coens. I I, I also have, um, what is it? Um, the Man That Wasn't There, I think is the name of it. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. That's a Coen it's, movie? It's all in black and white. And it's another I just found role a picture where the of, main character really doesn't say a whole lot. I just found a picture of Breon James on a on a motorcycle riding next to Kent McCord from Battlestar Galactica nineteen eighty, right wearing a Sphinx helmet on a future bike. Okay. Yeah, it's a far out picture. I I don't know how that fits into anything, but okay. Nothing at all. I was just we were talking about Breon James earlier. Great actor. 
He was in Blade Runner. He was in all, quite a bit. He was in all sorts of stuff, yes. Um, but yeah, I think he he was he was doing what he thought, not necessarily what he thought was right. He was doing what he thought he needed to do to protect the woman he loved. And it inspired him to tell her he loved her. I know the first time I watched it, the moment the gunshot happens and the gun goes flying across the room, I completely misunderstood that scene. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered what the hell was going on there, too. Because normally you would have a scene of like the foot hitting the gun or something, but instead you had his hand grabbing the post and it was like, okay, did he walk in? And there was like, did he get like a psychic flash of this is what's going on? And then he went over and found the gun. And then I watched it again. I realized, no, he kicked it. And mm. that's what made the shot happen. And that's why there was, because initially I'm thinking there should be two bullets left in this gun. And then it only, it, like she fires once as I'm thinking, okay, double tap, go in, shoot him again. But no, then no, I, yeah, there's I only think, the one shot left. Yeah. At the end of the movie, there's only one shot left yeah. in the gun because she uh, loaded it with three bullets toward the beginning of the, or earlier in the movie and uh, one shot. And Volkswagen Cowboy is nice enough to illustrate that there are three bullets in there and three empty, cha three empty chambers, I guess is what it's called in a revolver, right? And Marty tried to kill Ray, but he pulled up on empty chambers each time. And, uh, and Ray took the gun. I, I know one went into Marty, one went into Visser, but where did, where did the second one go? That was when he kicked it. That was that gunshot. Oh yeah. That was when he yeah. kicked it. Duh. And then like Miller's Crossing, it was endless bullets. This one, we had three. Hmm. Which is a neat way to set up a movie. Um, and then Big Lebowski, we had none. Uh, no, uh, Walter's Uzi falls out of the- Oh uh, yeah, we had the, a lot. I forgot about the Uzi. Yeah, Walter's Uzi falls out of uh, dude's car and lands How on did the Walter pavement. not get shot? I have no idea. He was rolling on the ground. The gun is spinning on the ground, shooting in all directions, and all the bullets go into the back of dude's car. I mean, not all of them hit the car, but that's the only thing that we see get hit. And Walter's rolling on the ground as this thing spins. I would think he would get hit. I've wondered I that. I would think he would, too. Well, he he didn't have a hard time getting up. Well, yeah, he messed his knee up when he fell. But that was one of the things I wanted to ask when we did that. Is like, how did he not get shot? Because I've watched that so many times. And every time it gets to that, I keep thinking, okay, I have to pay attention and see, does he, like, does the road fall off and he goes down that so all the bullets would be over him? What is this? And I, I never catch it. I was like, how does that not hit him at all? He didn't get hit because the movie didn't, He's not a, he he's not a small target. No, he's not. And this wasn't like John Goodman at his largest. It's not at his smallest, but even John Goodman at his thinnest is a large man. He's John, very tall. John, he's a big man. He's a big guy. So uh, for an Uzi firing that fast, he seems like he should be an easy target. He got one in the thigh, but he just walked it off because he was embarrassed. And the dude was, the, the dude could have been like, Walter, did you get shot, man? And, and Walter was like, it's a nine millimeter Israeli, dude. Fuck Not it. a big deal. Fuck it, man. Let's go bowling. Yeah. He, he, he just sat there with the bullet wound and wasn't like, it was like, yeah, I'm shot. I'm not going to say it. I don't care. Don't, don't let the pain show. Don't let the pain show. That, that's Walter's whole existence is not letting the pain show. And that's yeah, why he has to I, I'm sleep. thinking he probably, if he got shot, would have gone and got treatment. There are lots of stories of guys who, uh. Oh no, I know have, there's people that don't, but I'm thinking Walter would have. Maybe. Well, then again, he would have had to explain, how did you get shot by an Uzi? And then again, he is in LA. He's a random shot, random bullet. Oh, no. I didn't go through NOM just so you can ask me how I got a Uzi bullet in my leg. Or his ass.
Um, but yeah, that was that's one of the things with that movie that's always like, how did that not hit him? And for all you people who hopefully watch Night of the Demons, why in the hell does a demon stu- stick a lipstick inside of a, a the possessed victim's nipple? What's going on there? Um, well, so women's clothing doesn't usually have pockets. That's so she's true. got to store it somewhere. Well, she had a makeup bag, I thought. Well, yeah, but that's more shit to carry. And those are just so handy, just like little pouches. You just stick it right in there. <laughs> There's no pouch. Uh, hers was. Which says to me, the demon in that movie, Linnea Quigley was Miss Kangaroo Boobs. Kangaroo Nipples. She she had that little pocket she could store shit in, like a little coin purse. It was a collapsing lipstick, too, that uh, she was able to push into the prosthetic nipple. And it would collapse and push a little and further, it would collapse. collapse again, push a little further, collapse again. Right. And then stick her whole finger in and wiggle it around. And then, and then she had to let go and the nipple reformed so it looked like it was Like there was natural. no slit or anything there. Yeah, there was nothing going on. Yeah, I always just like figured, okay, that's just, that's her storage area. She got tired of carrying shit, so that's just where she's going to store her things. No, in the remake of Night of the Demons, that is my favorite part in the movie because it is hilarious to me. Because in the movie, in in the original Night of the Demons, uh, Linnea Quigley is found to be like, the douche finds her and he's like, oh, this girl's ready to go. Let's, uh, let's see what I can get going with Suzanne here. Yeah, she's ready and clearly drunk or high or he something didn't care yeah he didn't she care. was Either she was naked and on her or not naked she was flashing her tits and on her knees in front of him he didn't yes. care well it, and it was 80 sex party so since we've given up so far on trying to keep from spoilers again night of the demons mm-hmm. roger how the fuck did he get back up the wall from no, the other no, side? No, 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 makes no sense at all. No sense at all. How tall was that wall? Was it, it was higher like on one side than feet. the other? No, uh, it, that, it makes no sense that he could have got up on the wall. The only way it makes sense is that when he fell off the wall, he bounced back up <laughs> to begin with. No, oh, wait, no, it showed him, it showed him landing on the ground. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just trying to figure out the, as far as to get him back up. It's like, he must've fallen on trampoline and bounced back up. How, no. how else would he have gotten back up there? Uh, the only, like I was going to say, the only way it would have made sense is if he had caught himself as he was falling and was able to haul himself back up. But no, he ledge. slammed against but the ground. No, he slammed against the ground. And it's so not like there was it, anything where had, it looked like there was trees or anything nearby. And he came up right in the same spot. Unless he had some sort of adrenaline rush jump superpower. I can't explain it. Yeah, I, I that was the thing with that one. It's like, okay, how in the fuck? Because he had to climb up pretty painfully. Barbed uh, wire, man. Yeah, barbed wire. And once they came out, it was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. He didn't care. He was climbing up that barbed wire. Fuck my hands. Fuck the rest. I'm getting my ass out of here. Yeah. Which, like he should have done much earlier instead of just tapping the wall. Well, yeah. But at that point, you know, you don't have the same motivation. No, you don't. And that was another time that she was just, I can't. I can't. No, you can't. I can't do it. Well, that was tip for tap between the two of them because Roger had had a few of his I can't moments too and she had to motivate him. I think really his was just in the crematorium when he was freaking out and she gave the speech and that was really the only time I remember when she was like, oh no, you can do this. You Look what you've done so far. And he broke down. The rest of the time she was like, oh, I can't do it. And Sal had to tell her, no, Bitch, get the fuck up. You can do this. And so did so did Roger. 
there was the time she was hanging on the ledge when Angela was coming at her. She and, never would have uh, made that fall. No, she never would have. Well, Sal didn't make the fall. Well, her. Oh, fall... that's another thing I should say about uh, that. That is another thing I should say about Night of the Demons. I forgot to say it in our podcast. Sal died a hero. Sal died protecting Judy from Angela. He well, it ran right so up much to that. You forgot to say story. it's that you decided we weren't going to spoil anything and cut it off before we got to that. Yeah, true. But now that people have watched it, hopefully, I will just say with spoilers that Sal died a hero. And even though Angela is the supernatural creature who was coming at Judy and going to like rip her to shreds or who knows what, Sal just like ran down the roof, saw Angela, tackled her, and pulled her off the roof with him. Okay. So since Sal died and then was brought back, Back. Does that mean he's a zombie at the end of this movie? I do not know. I because don't know I would say that was... would make him a zombie. And I... they made his last name Romero as a reference as to a zombies. reference to George Romero, the Romero, king of the zombies. Exactly. But that's the thing because Jay came back and uh, and Max came back and Franny came back with their clothes on. Unfortunately, well, okay, not so unfortunately in Max's case, but uh, I, I could have done with a little more naked. Jill Tereshita, even though you call her squeaker, squeaky voice, yeah, Peter high Pan, pitch I Peter Pan. High well, I mean, Peter if he Pan. would have not put his clothes back on, he still would have at least been walking around in a thong. They weren't, the characters weren't wearing thongs. The actors were wearing thongs. But, you know, he, he was wearing one and he was afraid that he might get aroused. They couldn't afford Stooge's ass and they couldn't afford Phil Tanzini's cock. What was it? I can't remember. Was it you that was saying that, saying the story about him being afraid he'd get aroused during that scene? Who, Phil Tanzini? Yeah. I don't think I was telling that, no. Okay. I, yeah, I couldn't remember for, if you said that when we did it, when we first talked about this one, or if that was in the commentary. Why but, would anyone get aroused with j naked Jared? Well, with Jill Turash, he was afraid that, jumping around on their junk. Well, he was afraid of her being naked on him, and he's just laying there wearing this little thong that he might get aroused. At that and point, you would have to have a conversation with your He said something actor. to the director. like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And then it's like, I think she might be insulted if you don't. Ah. And I was like, well, that's that's one way to look at it. It is. Um, but I know in things and and scenes like that, there's been a lot of stories I've heard about actors having that issue. And they generally will go to whoever they're in that scene with being like, look, if something happens, I, I'm sorry. I'm not. Yes. There's some things you can't control. So I've yes. heard of those kind of conversations happening before. I just oh, thought you can it was control interesting them. You just think about her. dead kittens. Huh? You just think about dead kittens in your grandma or something. It's oh, like, I go thought, away, go I away, I thought that's away. how you were going to try and segue or night of the demons conversation into May with the dead cats. No. No. Uh, I think we said everything there was to say about May. And yet I feel like there's so much more. May, yes, well, May, May, is, May is a wonderful May movie. May is a wonderful movie. Oh, and by the way. Another little thing that I don't know if you caught. What? So, you know how there's that whole counting kick I've been on through these movies? Yes, there you have done that a few times. We You can count the fives in Fifth Element. You can count the doubles in Strangers on a Train. And uh, there was another one. Did, did you realize... Well, Big Lebowski had a lot of counting. Miller's Crossing had some counting. But did you realize I planted one in an episode? Really? Night of the Demons. You sneaky, sneaky grimweed. Count the amount of times I said amazing in Night of the Demons. I'm not going to go back and do that. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. How many times did you say it? Or in, do I have to go back? In just the the regular edit that went out, because I haven't got around to the extended edits yet. 19 times in about, what, hour and a half, I think? And well, that, I, 
Night of the Demons, wasn't that the one that had four hours worth of recording? I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And just in the hour and a half, I, I managed 19. I, I, I believe I, I, I shouted into the microphone, eat a bowl of dick or eat a bowl, eat of, a bowl fuck. of fuck. Yeah, yeah. That was Stooge's great line. Um, but yeah, so the, the initial plan there was like, yeah, how many times did I say amazing? But now that I've revealed that it was 19 in that edit, I'm surprised you didn't count or not count. I'm surprised you didn't catch the fact that I was saying that a lot. I, everything, I, you know, it was amazing. A lot of times I, well, I'll admit a lot of times when we're recording, I'm just stressing out over like trying to halfway talk into the microphone correctly and, uh, you know, say something halfway interesting about the felt and just, you know, jump into the next line of conversation, which is not that easy for me. So, Especially when I start throwing shit. Excuse me if I wasn't like paying attention to your little theories. piddly shit amazing <laughs> And then, like I said, when I start throwing things like my Miller's Crossing theories or some of the other random shit, that's like, there's no way you can prepare for that. No, there isn't. And I, I honestly, I, I, I can see how Tom Regan having a, a romantic attachment to Leo is, is feasible, but I, I just don't see a lot of evidence for it in the film. Well, I mean, and see, it, all that's needed is for you to admit that in the context of the film with what's available, if it's at all feasible then it's a valid theory yes well valid theory it is i suppose it might not be correct but there's enough evidence there that people could theorize about that it could indeed okay speaking of theories what theories you got from may uh i believe at the end of the movie it devolved into into a pure immersion into her psychosis and uh, that uh, it's either that or a magical realism explanation where she either passed out and went to a dream where the monster she had made came alive or in some sick miracle, the monster she made did come alive and uh, stroked her hair and saw her the way she wanted. Interesting. So your theory carries the story a little bit further than mine. What's your theory? That everything after her seeing herself in the mirror with the bloody eyes is a dilute it's like a fever dream it's all taking place in her head as she's dying i would explain why the her eyes healed so well yeah yeah because uh she she really it would explain the, the rapid healing with the eyes it would explain the sudden character change uh it, it would explain so much she is now it just it's in her head and this is just taking place as she's laying there dying letting herself die or as she's laying there dying i don't think she would have died from those facial wounds no i it's something to, and, and this is this wasn't my theory it's just one of the favorite ones of all the theories i've seen for this it's one of my favorites but it's something like she she did try to remove her eyes or her eye mm -hmm. and be be like she saw how bad it was and it was her bad eye. It was all bloody and everything. And she went to remove that and bled out. So the whole eye removal thing happened, but we just get it at a different time because we're also treated to some of the other shit that's going on in her head. Ah, no, that makes sense. I could see that yeah. being a plausible. Yeah. I just, I thought it was a, a rather interesting the theory. And especially since the movie already deals so much with, um, mental health and breakdown and everything and having something like that play out in the head of somebody as they were dying. It's like, okay, that's kind of an interesting little twist. My, uh, what I, one of the things I love about May is that it just, uh, 
it focuses completely on the character of May, and there's there are no scenes without her in it. Yeah, the closest and, uh, we get to that is when Polly is at the front desk, and we see her, and then May walks out, and we stay on Polly, and when she's that's when she's sucking her thumb. We right. see her there, and then May walks by, and she starts th- sucking her thumb. May leaves, and we stay on Polly. That's the closest we get, I th- if I remember it, to anything without May. But uh, I, I feel like the movie, because it was so devoted to May as a character and her feelings about the world, that in a way it followed her all the way down to the abyss, in a sense. Like as she went through the deep, as she fell into the deep end and hit the absolute bottom where she lost all sense of reality. I, I like to think that the movie followed her all the way down. And that's when we see the monster come alive. Yeah. And that's, that was a, another theory that's like, okay, is she already dead or not dead, but is it like the monster moving and touching her? Is that an, another dying hallucination or did she succeed? And that happened as she was dying. And there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I, I, I kind of just, I, I like to let myself be pulled into the movie uh, like a great movie to me is one that is able to pull you in and you can completely flow with the movie's logic into whatever direction the movie goes. And that is something that may just pulls off. Yeah. Amazingly. It, it draws and, you in. And I think we, and I, I don't think, well, this is another thing. I don't think the monster movie really requires an explanation. I think in the end, it's just a kind of poetic way to tie up May's story and give her a kind of happy ending. Yeah. And, and I mean, I said to begin with, it, it has a happy ending. And I think we kind of made it clear that May, it's not really what it seems to be. When you're watching it, 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 it always makes you want more. Mm-hmm. And Angela Bettis does a great job of making you want more May. She does. But unfortunately, there's no more May to be had unless we... Uh, yeah, speaking we... of that, why is the UK getting a Blu-ray and the US is not? Come on, people. Because it's bigger in, the, it's bigger in Europe. But speak up, Hope. people. We, we need to let them know we want May too. We want more May. We want all those special features or, you know what? Some deleted scenes, a director's cut. A region-free Blu-ray player. Well, yeah, there's that too. So, yeah. so But have what, you ever gone into a store where they sell Blu-ray players and ask one for a region-free Blu-ray player? They're like, what's regions? Well, that's why you generally would have to order it. Yeah. Or go someplace that specializes in that kind of thing. Or not. If there some are place, any it's a more dedicated like electronics place that has knowledgeable people, not like a Best Buy. Yeah, well, are there any places like that anymore? Um, well, there's a few around here, but where I am, yeah, you're going to get more tech places anyway. Yeah, show off. That's not necessarily always a good thing. So yeah, wh- okay, now you're not my mother. What? What's some, some theories on that one? Oh, I believed everything in the movie. It was a changeling. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any theories about you or not my mother. I, I think Char almost ran off to fairyland for a minute, but that was uh, uh, then Suzanne. How about the ending? No theories I, I, on the ending? I think that I, I think Angela came back and she was a little worse for wear, but uh, now Char is going to carry on the traditions of her grandmother and uh, protect her mother from the, uh, the fair folk, protect herself from the fair folk, and they're going to live as best they can somewhere else. So do you think <laughs> that she's going Dublin. to be like her grandmother and like the, um, how her grandmother just kind of seemed to be 
devoted strictly to like this is the this is it as far Her as grandmother was remedies, right. everything was like folk remedy, folk stories, beliefs, folk tales, folk witchcraft, whatever you, grandma well, was all about that. Do you think yeah, she well, would kind of go there or you yes, think she exactly. would go more like a, um, like a higher education, still have all those beliefs, but do more, more higher education and bring that education aspect into it? Well, she would have, she was a gifted girl, so she probably yeah. would have, she absolutely would have gone as far as she could, and, but she would have retained the knowledge of her grandma. It's like, okay, think about this. Okay. Imagine you have, uh, you grow up in a, in a family where your grandmother is always warning you about werewolves and how to deal with werewolves. And you think, oh, granny, you're just, you're, you, you and your werewolves, you're always talking about werewolves. And then one day your family gets attacked by a werewolf and your grandma you is, say, and then one day you're playing basketball and you turn into a werewolf. No, no, we're not going there. <laughs> a movie makes no sense. Really? What, what the hell is werewolfism supposed to be? A, never mind. But then one day a werewolf attacks your family and holy shit, Grammy's ready for it. Mm-hmm. So that but you Char has all the evidence she needs to know that the fairy folk are a dark and demented people who she will have to be cautious of. Yeah. But you know, if you always stick with this is this is the tradition, these are all the things that you gotta do. It takes all this stuff to to get rid of this kind of creature or that kind of creature. Or you expand your knowledge and you figure out, you know what, it's not all of this together, maybe just this one little aspect, or this is the chemical out of that entire thing that makes this thing run away. So instead of creating this huge potion, I can just use this one thing. So or, she could bring that more education into it and look at it in a different route and figure out maybe a more efficient way to deal with it or a way to keep them away so you don't have to worry about somebody being swapped out with a changing anymore or she could take it in a completely uh, sci-fi direction where she is able to understand physics and the notion of space bending into space and she would be able to find the notion the, of space bending into space i just made that up now okay, i'm just i was just trying to figure out if, if that's what you meant to say yes or it is. if that was the notion of tesseract in instances where she would be able to find the way that these fae are able to move from their world into ours and she would perhaps you know use her gifted nature to expand upon her grandmother's knowledge and maybe be able to walk into fairy or uh, the land of the of the fairies or, or the changelings and stuff and and go there and say like hey leave us the fuck alone or just figure out a way to close all the portals or yeah she could yeah and that's what I'm saying. Do you think she would go more education? Do you think she would just stick with this is the, this is what grandma did. This is what I'm going to do. I think we have to wait for the sequel. If we ever get one, I think, uh, oh, okay. I so what about Angela? Do you think she is better or do you think it was just a good day and she had, she had already had problems before she was swapped out? I think I know she had problems before she was swapped out, uh, but hopefully they, Hopefully, with uh, her Do daughter. Do we know she had problems before she was swapped? Yes, she she couldn't keep food in the house. Well, yeah, but they also alluded to she had been swapped before. Yeah, so maybe this time the uh, and well, when yeah, she, she came back, back, the issue she was having when she couldn't keep food in the house was because part of her was still there, and she Actually, was going wait, back wait, to try and get that wait. back. 
Wait, wait, wait. Was Angela swapped before or was Char swapped before? Both. I, I think Angela was only swapped the one time. And Angela's one of part of Angela's mental breakdown, besides being a young Irish woman who was pregnant out of wedlock, was the fact that she had to give her baby to her mother. Yeah, but so remember, mother... Angela had disappeared for a while. And when she came back, she didn't know where she had been. I don't And that was that. that was one of the things they talked about is, um, or I don't know if they specified in in the movie, but as far as the legends and the, with the changings and all the other stuff, when you cross over and you're in that and you come back, you don't remember that yeah. other realm. So her being gone and missing for a while and then not remembering any of where, not remembering where she was, she had been there as well. But when she came back, not all of her came back is kind of way it's, it's supposed to, to be. So well, I think uh, when she was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. She was going to try and get back part of her and was swapped out instead. It's, it's not an unheard of notion in uh, dealing with fairies that their land is beautiful beyond words and full of magic. And that if you go there and if you eat the food they offer you, you will be trapped there forever. Which is one of the reasons why things, I was wondering I, if Granny dumped that, when, that pot. When Angela... Well, yeah, it makes sense. Like maybe that that was fey food that she didn't. Yeah, the don't granny eat didn't what they want give them you. to eat. And but uh, there's like it, it would make sense that if if somebody was trapped in in the land of the fey for some time, that they would lose part of themselves, perhaps. And uh, like when it, when they return to the mortal realm, they would always have this kind of sense of longing for what they lost. Even if the land of the Fae was scary and dreadful, it was also beautiful and and uh, colorful beyond words. Like yeah, what they apparently what we have like the part world. of her mind was trapped there. And but maybe when her daughter brought her back, her mind, her she was yeah. So yeah. from from what I understand of it, it was she had disappeared for a while, couldn't remember where she was when she came back, but part of her mind was still there. So she went back to get it and was swapped out and and they had to do that whole fire thing to get rid of the changeling to bring the the real one back but again were there problems before i think there were um i think uh that angela had some serious problems yeah and it's it's not really specified whether or not there was problems before she was before she went missing when char when uh when char was swapped out it's not really clear so whether or not she's mentally well, I, stable I, at I, the end it's I not read really an clear with, i've read an interview with the director that talked about how women who were pregnant out of wedlock faced a lot of social consequences yes so that would uh that would preclude a, a possible ongoing depression for her yeah and i'm not saying that she would be all happy go lucky cheery young mom i'm just saying that mentally was she like was she bipolar to begin with did she have them those kind of mood swings what how was she before that initial swap because her coming back and still being like having part confused. of her there and having those issues if she was already like that it wouldn't be that big a deal it would be less noticeable i it's uh, well you know it could be that somebody with a disorganized mind could going to some but somewhere like uh there there's a spelling for the realm of the fae it's called it, it's f-a-e-r-i-e fairy like that it, like it's a place and uh it's used in comic books and things like that as the land of the fae fairy 
if if somebody had a chaotic mind uh, and they went to somewhere like fairy and uh, could experience pure chaos in a sense, maybe they could come back and be healed of their own chaos in a sense. But I think we're, I'm still confused as to what we're talking about as far as the timeline, because it's my understanding of the film that Char was changed and Angela protested her mother taking the baby away to be, to be placed near fire. The grandmother told Char later that they, they took you when you were a girl and that's where that burn on your cheek comes from. And now they've come for your mom because they want you. So Angela only ever got taken the one time and that was... Well, remember though, she did say that the mom had gone missing for a while. And when she turned up, she didn't know where she had been and she didn't know where the baby was. Well, uh, that was... So that was when she initially went to the other side. uh, We don't know. And then she she came back and that's like, she didn't know where the baby was. And is that when the whole bipolar issues started or is that something that was already there that was just kind of, they didn't realize that she had gone to Fairyville because she still acted the same way. I, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, imagine Angela was in some fairy tale way, pun intended, that she was healed by the love of her daughter as she returned home and uh, they were able to make a better life together. So in your mind, you are not my mother is a love conquers all story. A little bit. Okay. So speaking of love conquers all stories, fifth element. Well, there you go. Fifth element, love conquers all. That's pretty much what the, uh, that's pretty much the climax of the movie. The fifth element needs love uh, to be complete so she can do her thing. Fifth element is Captain Planet with a love story. Oh, why? Because instead of the rings to make Captain Planet, it's the stones. Fire, earth, air, water, heart. Okay, sure. One supreme being that brings them all together that can defeat all the evil. It's Captain Planet with a love story. I was a liberal kid, but Captain Planet was too cheesy for me. I watched it just because there was really nothing else to watch at the time that it was on. And it's like... I just, I didn't, because there wasn't a remote at the time, so I didn't want to get up and change the channel. Oh yeah, you know what else? What, if you had any theories about Sleepaway Camp? I, I, I think that uh, Angela, or uh, what was her real name? Uh, before she was given a name? Before she was given Angela, she was a little boy named, let me check my notes. Peter. Peter, yeah. Okay, so we had talked about this, and it, it ended up being cut, I believe, but you didn't think her name was Angela to begin with. I thought it was Gloria. I went back. Or no, I, I thought it was. I think you said Gloria. No, I, I thought her sister's name was Gloria. Yeah, that's what the, the little girl. Yeah, the little yeah. girl at the beginning. I um, her name was Gloria. But like I said, I think I'm pretty sure that was cut out. But I went back and watched it and was like, okay, I know they didn't say Gloria. But when you watch, you you hear Peter saying something about dad tell to leave me alone but it's not clear as he's saying tell her to leave me alone tell him to leave me alone tell angela leave me alone that's not said there's there's not a name clearly said and in the subtitles it says tell him to leave me alone really so if he's saying tell him to leave me alone in the very beginning my thought was is that kind of a very subtle foreshadowing of angela is going to be him Later on in the movie, it starts out saying Angela's him. And at the end, Angela's him. Uh, I have no fucking clue. Um, that, that could be. It wouldn't that, surprise me at all to have something as basic as that 
Mm. That is so easy to miss. Well, it could very well be. Uh, I would have to go back and watch the scene again to wonder about uh, what's going on. But uh, as far as any theories about uh, Sleepaway Camp, I think the movie's pretty cut and dry as far as what's going on in it. I mean, uh, I would like to hope that Artie never regained the use of his eyes uh, since he enjoyed seemed to enjoy using them so much to ogle children. Uh, I think the simple fact was is that Peter developed some sort of head trauma from the, uh, the boat accident, and he had that bandaged head in the flashback with uh, Aunt Martha. Uh, giving Aunt him Martha. The new name. Aunt Martha. <laughs> I love uh, that one. When I uh, got to the end and you started trying to say Aunt Martha and you kept going with Aunt Martha. <laughs> it's yeah, like I, I just got me you up. on it too. <laughs> Thanks a lot. No, uh, I, I, I think Aunt Martha took advantage of Peter's uh, incapacitated, maybe mental faculties and sort of brainwashed him into becoming her daughter. See, my theory on that one is, and it's this has been said in other like even in sherlock they bring that up with watson and his wife and when it's revealed that she's really an assassin and he's like why why aren't you normal why are you like him and just fucked in the head type thing and it's like well because you attract it so it's kind of a theory of of you kind you tend to attract what you want even though you don't necessarily realize it Hmm. so the theory on this one is Angela obviously is Peter that we, we find out in the end. And we have two boys that Ricky and Peter. Well, no, Ricky is the cousin. Peter is Angela. Right. And then there's the other boy, the one that she, the, the, the one that is after Angela. Angela? Yeah. Oh, uh, that was Paul. I think it was Paul. Yes. Uh, now you remember the names. Well, I was thinking Peter, Paul and Mary. Ah, never heard a song of theirs. You probably have, you just didn't realize it. Maybe. But anyway, so the theory is that Paul is gay or bisexual or something. There's some kind of a homosexual tendency And he was attracted to Angela because he somehow subliminally knew that, uh, or subconsciously knew that Angela was a Yeah, there was something, yeah, there was, there's that theory. There's the theory that obviously that there's multiple killers. Yeah. Um, one of the theories was Paul was one of the killers as well. That doesn't make any sense. Especially the way that ended. But yeah, that was one of the theories was he was one of the killers and, and Angela wasn't aware that that was going on. And he was trying to protect her along with Ricky. Mm. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my favorite theories on Seaboy Camp. All underage characters, by the way. Really, except for the pedos and... Well, the, That's the, a whole other story. Joe Bob Briggs talked about Sleepaway Camp. He said, everyone in this damn movie is a pedophile. Or they're underage. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so now back to back to Bubba. Back to the whole, the characters. Elvis was Elvis. We all know that. Yeah, not so much like what theories, but just Bubba Hotep. Is there something about that movie that makes to you, like something that's like, this is this is a movie that's worth watching? The movie is worth watching just because of its premise. It's Elvis versus a mummy. Okay. Now, if you can't dig a ridiculous premise like that, then, you know, go watch whatever the hell it is you watch. Okay. I mean, the Elvis versus a mummy is, uh, is as far out a picture, uh, like a story as, as anybody could come up with. Okay. It is, it is 100% unique and it 100% sells itself as the, as just this weird, fun, dark, sweet movie that it is. 
Which is interesting because the people that I've talked to, um, and actually the one, how I said to, to begin with, I got into horror movies at an early age through a family member. The same family member that got me into horror movies has refused to watch Bubba Hotep because of that premise. It, well, he thought it was still just the most ridiculous sounding thing. It's like, why would I want to watch that? I have been I have been laughed at by groups of people when I described the premise of the movie of Bubba Hotep, and I and I and I say to them, yes, it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually a very good movie. And they're like, oh my god, you must be an idiot. You you're just a complete idiot. Who would watch a movie like that? You're an idiot. And they would laugh in my face and run off. But did they ever watch it and then come back and be like, I okay, have no idea. Yeah, I didn't mind. interact with those people anymore because they were assholes. And see, I've had, like I said, he was like, yeah, why? And then I've had people that, that have messaged me like, okay, so I just listened to the episode about Bubba Hotep. That sounds like a wild fucking ride. I might want to watch that. It's a great movie. Yeah. And, and for me, what makes me want to watch it? Okay. You told me who was in it. Hmm. That's all I needed. I'm going to watch it based on that. And then find out, oh, and it's also Elvis and a black JFK fighting a mummy dressed as a cowboy. And Bruce Campbell's in it? Okay, take my money. And I, I I, like to think that I played some small part in helping Bubba Hotep become a success in the local theater where I, that I used to frequent. And then I think that brings us to, I think that's the last one, Strangers on a Train. We've talked about the rest of them, right? Yes, we have. I mean, we, we haven't really, we, we kind of have talked about the Coen Brothers movies. Um, I'm going to ask you at one point, and uh, another question, and when I ask this question, I'm going to tell you to completely not take the Coen brothers movies that we've watched into consideration. Okay. Because I think it's just not fair, but yeah, strangers on a train real quick. What is that movie to you? I, I think it's a well-made thriller. Okay. Maybe not so quick. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a well-made sort of cat and mouse thriller, but uh, about two characters who are trying to, you know, who are sort of caught in a kind of blackmail scheme because that's what the crisscross murder comes down to a little bit is like, you know, I, I have evidence against you. You don't have any evidence against, against me. You have to do as I say and, and do your part of the bargain. So until it, he gives him evidence against him, what by giving him her glasses. Yeah. Uh, did he give her, did he give guy the glasses? I thought he just showed them to him. Well, I know he handed him the glasses. Okay. I don't remember if he gave them back. Well, now the evidence is now guy has the evidence against himself. But because now even, he must have been on the island. Even if he gave the glasses back, and if he just showed them, either way, Guy knows that Bruno's got the glasses. He could easily say, he told me he did it. He's got the glasses, if you don't believe me. Right. He could have. But, uh, well, I studied up a little bit on fridge logic and what it means. Uh, fridge logic is logic that struck strikes you when you have gone to the fridge after the movie or after the story or the TV show or whatever, and you're going to the fridge and you're looking for something to eat and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Why didn't they just do this? The guy could have gone to the police and he could have maybe shown them the glasses and say, I got these from the killer. The killer is Bruno. Uh, but uh, the movie sort of addresses that when it, when guy goes to, when, when Ann figures it out that uh guy, you know, she asked guy, well, how did you get him to do it? Yeah. And that's how I talked about before about these outrageous out, outrageous stories that you think, well, if you tell the authorities, they should be able to handle it better. Well, he told, told the woman that supposedly was madly in love with him. She didn't believe him to begin with. The cops were very easily distracted 
and then ended up shooting a civilian in the head, which endangered a ton of lives and ended up in the death of Bruno. Hmm. So it's another kind of, okay, you go to the people that you're supposed to go to, but then is that going to help or is it going to make things worse? Well, one could argue that's, it's like the old, it's like a cabin in the woods. Why don't all these kids just leave the cabin? Well, if they do, there's no movie. Well, why, why doesn't, why doesn't this person being harassed by an antagonist in the, uh, in the, uh, in this story, in this thriller, why don't they just go to the cops? Well, if, if they do, there's no movie is a simple fact. And, uh, it, it, I think what it comes down to is, uh, also, uh, how many times, like, uh, have you ever seen the Baba Duke? No, okay. I haven't seen that one yet. Unfortunately. Um, it often comes down to the, uh, authority figures being somewhat neutered by their own incompetence in movies like uh, you've seen last house on the left yeah okay remember that was the, the worst couple cops yeah they, they remember they had to get on the chicken truck uh-huh and they couldn't sit in the front seat because that's that's where chicken sit yep okay so you know movies can make the cops out to be as completely incompetent as they want well uh, speaking I, of incompetence like uh it goes back to, i i i think i I even went on a rant with you are not my mother where uh well she's only been missing for a few hours so there's not much we can do it's like in real life no if someone's missing the cops tend to be like okay where was she last seen okay and on that that hasn't always been a thing it used mm -hmm. to be law to where it had to be so many hours some places it still is um i don't know what it is as far as ireland especially in a small little village like that it's northern Dublin. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know if there is something like that there. I do know either way, if you feel that somebody's missing and you're worried about them, even if it is a law that they, yeah, they're not technically missing until so long, at least if it's reported, then after that time's up, there's record that you've been looking for a while and they mm. can look back and say, okay, we, we know at least at this point in time, they were already reported as missing. So we have to go back further than that to try and find where they have been seen. Well, that's useful for an investigative reference, I suppose. Well, just for anybody out there that, who knows, maybe that one of their parents or somebody has dementia and wanders off or their kid wanders off or something. Y you never know. If somebody goes missing. You need to be able to. Don't you know, necessarily worry about what the law says about how long before they're technically considered missing. Still report it. That is uh that's good advice. But on the note of what's what strangers on a train means to you, I would say for me, strangers on a train, it means quite a bit in the sense that oh, I, have, I have something to add. Um, it was Hitchcock prior to his golden age. It was Hitchcock hitting his stride with uh, a, a better cinematographer than he'd probably ever had to work with. And it was showing these formative steps he was taking toward the genius things he would accomplish with movies like The Birds, Psycho, and uh, North by Northwest. But it, and it was a very different Hitchcock from his sort of action comedies of the years previous. But it, he wasn't quite there yet. He didn't have all the uh, he didn't have all the puzzle pieces in place to make his classics. But you were saying? Well, I was going to say I think for me it. It's not only, as far as the movie goes, it's not only a good movie. In the world of cinema, 
it it had impacts. There was a lot of things that came about because of the movie. There was a lot of styles that were then tried or expanded upon. There was themes that were done that were parodied or just flat out copied. But it was like Hitchcock and so many other things was inspirational to much more than just the movie itself. Um, it, it inspired quite a few things. It inspired our name. Indeed it did. Um, and I would say it was kind of the beginning. It wasn't the first thing Hitchcock had done, but no, I'd say it was the means. beginning of Hitchcock, the Hitchcock boom. It, it was the start of it, I think. Yes. It and sense. going from the Hitchcock boom and that being the start of it, which is also the start of our podcast and wrapping that around to our final movie, which is the 10th movie, which is got a silver lighter and engraved silver lighter just like strangers on a train which was also the start of the cohen's and and the cohen's owe a lot to hitchcock and we went from strangers on a train we went through got a little weird did a few things got into the cohen's and then started going back in time from beginning to end to end to beginning i guess not quite end because we we didn't go to the end of cohen's no we didn't well, there is no end to the Coens yet. That's what that's what I'm hoping. Uh, I think the Coens are going to be. Well, actually, I heard one of them. Uh, like, I they might be breaking up the Co- the Coen brothers. One of them is not as enthused about making movies as he used to be. Huh. It would be an interesting. It would be interesting to see how they work separate on movie or how one of them would work without the other. Because everything I've seen and heard has been they they work symbiotically. I, and I'm, if you if you have an issue, if you need something and you can't find one, you can always go to the other. And it's not an issue of, oh, yeah, well, he said you just go to one or the other. I mean, Barry Sonnenfeld said if I wanted this kind of shot, I knew, OK, if I want this lens, go to this person. If I want that lens, go to that person, because one of them preferred wide and the other preferred long or whatever. Huh. But the the sets are all fun places where everybody's kind of encouraged to give their input everybody has fun everything flows and they all trust the cohen's so much with the scripts that they are not worried about okay can i improvise can i do this or can i change this to make it better they already know this script is all you need all we have to do is what they're telling us and we got something good the, the Coens are very talented writers. Um, which is why I said, I'm going to ask you something and I want you to eliminate the Coens from this because I don't think it's fair. Okay. And I already know it's not going to be fair and you're probably going to not like this. But of our first seven movies, how would you rank them? Rank them? And I'm not talking about, I don't want to like m- movie, like this movie is the best. Rank them in you. In order that, okay, yeah, I can watch this one all the time, or maybe rank them as in watchability for you. Uh, Strangers on a Train, I don't think, holds up to uh, repeat viewings as much. Once you've learned all of its tricks, you're pretty much through with it. At least I was. Uh, So that would be seven? Bubba Hotep, I've watched it many times. Um, So yeah, so Strangers would be seven? Strangers, uh, a seven? as uh, Like a seven out of ten? No, ranking them, like... In putting them in order, one through seven. All right. Um, number one would have to be Bubba Hotep. So you could watch Bubba Hotep more often than like Fifth Element or anything else. That's, Two would be Fifth Element. I think Bubba uh, Hotep's a, a more fun movie to just kind of rewatch anyway. Yes. Uh, three would be Night of the Demons. Four would be May. 
So you have for number one is Bubba Hotep, number two is Fifth Element, number three was Night of the Demons, number four is May. As for you are not my mother, I'm gonna have to put it at six. So Sleepaway Camp is five, and you are not my mother is six. Strangers on a Train is seven. Huh? Would it surprise you that our rating isn't that different? What did, What was your rating? Um, Strangers on a Train is seven for me because rewatchability. Yeah, you can watch it again, but it doesn't have the same impact. Sleepaway Camp is kind of the same thing, but it's a more fun watch. You Are Not My Mother, it's, I think, a better movie than Sleepaway Camp, but because of how heavy it is, it's harder to rewatch. So I would say Sleepaway Camp would probably be six with You're Not My Mother is five, just because You're Not My Mother, I think, is just a better movie overall. And I believe when we recorded, I even said that rewatching made it a little easier to deal with each watch. Mm. Where'd you put May? I would put Night of the Demons at four, Fifth Element at three, May at two, Bubba Hotep at one. I, uh, I I can't watch May that often. I like to save it for special occasions. Uh, I would th- I would put it on and just even as background, just the music that it plays and the lines. Yeah, I could put it on as background. And same with Bubba Hotep. I can just put that on as background. But you see mm-hmm. why I said don't include the Coens in this? Yeah. Because that's it's not fair to the others. I mean, Big Lebowski, I can put that on as on a loop and watch that. I don't think I'll be watching Blood Simple that often. I might watch it here and there, um, but odds are it's going to be like I'm showing it to somebody that hasn't seen it. I actually, I, I saw a clip of a movie years ago that I thought was Blood Simple, and it had um, two men breaking into a, a house or an apartment where a bunch of people were ha- seeming to have a nice time, and uh, they tied someone's hands behind their back, tied their ankles to their together and then they put a bag over the person's head and made everyone in the room just watch as the person suffocated for some reason i thought that was a clip from blood simple i was completely wrong it sounds very familiar though yes and I, but i wish i knew what movie it was so i could watch um, that movie and know what, what it was was it like a 70s no it, i i don't know or it early it 80s 90s it could have been 90s it looked like an all-black cast okay that's it's definitely not what i'm thinking of then because the no one I'm thinking of is more of like a home invasion thing. No, this this looked like uh, this was like just one of many violent things that happened in the movie. I don't know, I, like a lot of happened in that five minutes of the movie. I, I have no idea what it is. So if anyone's listening to this and they know what movie that I'm talking about, please tell me. And you said uh, like 90s? I, it might have been 90s. It might have been 2000s. I don't know. Huh. It didn't look like 80s. But anyway... So yeah, like like I said, Cohen's wouldn't be fair to put in with that just because their movies are on a different level. Yeah. Well, not only that, but they just operate within their own little world. Well, yeah, but it's trying to say like, okay, which movie is a better movie? Sleepaway Camp or Miller's Crossing? I think Sleepaway Camp is a funnier movie to watch. I, 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 I can't imagine. I don't, I don't think I've ever had any night where I was like, oh, gee. Let me put it in Miller's Crossing. I've had a few nights where I was like, eh, I think I'll check out Sleepaway Camp again. Yeah. So Sleepaway Camp is a, a more fun movie to rewatch, but which is a better movie is a whole nother question. It's like, which is a better movie? Monty Python, Holy Grail or Monty Python, Life of Brian? Now you're just, now you're just trying to trap me into it. Obviously Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's just my opinion. Life of Brian is the better movie. Holy Grail is the funnier movie. The train is coming to a stop. <laughs> I take it you don't agree with that. 
I, I can agree with that. And it's time to say goodbye here in the movie car. We hope everyone out there on the podcast land was able to get a little bit of a new appreciation for our podcast, which is what we've been talking about for the past hour or so. Thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded. We love you all. Thanks to our mutual friend. And please like, subscribe, comment, heart, star, comment, uh, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell, tell your enemies, tell your coworkers, tell, tell your boss, tell your neighbor, tell your dog, tell your cat, the, the cat write it in and write it on a note and put it in a bottle and throw it out to sea so someone else can find it. Let people know. Yeah. <laughs> Be good to each other out there. We're all stuck together in this crazy train and we're all we have in here. Bye and, for now, folks. And, you know, stick around because we got some fun stuff coming up. Yeah, we got uh, we got some plans. Yeah, we, we, you might hear some new voices. You might, you might hear some old voices. You, you might hear us actually be entertaining. You never know. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we got things in the works. We got yeah. tricks up our sleeve. Bye for now, folks. See you next time.